Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the What's Holding You Back January Writing Challenge edition of the 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Now this month, we're live talking about everything that might hold a writer back from producing the work they really want to write and how they might overcome those obstacles. Today, I'm very excited because we get to hear from two wonderful writers and friends, Jessica Bird and Henriette Lazaridis. Good morning, ladies. Thank you so much for being on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Jessica. Bird is a scholarship graduate of the Grub Street Novel Incubator Program, so I've been able to read her work, and it is absolutely stunningly gorgeous and thrilling, because it's a thriller at the same time, but literary. She was a finalist for the 2023 Edith Wharton Writers in Residence Program. She's currently at work remapping her manuscript called The Only Brother. It's the story of a man searching to discover why his older brother, presumed dead, survived his abduction when they were children, but never returned to their family. Henriette Lazaridis is an award-winning author of three novels, her debut, The Clover House, then the an Ar- see, I'm going to screw that up. The Arctic Adventure, Terra Nova. I loved Clover House was phenomenal, but Terra Nova was right in my wheelhouse. You got you got people like starving to death on the ice. <laughs> that is right where I'm at, and it's just so, so, so much good. Fun. I really recommend it. She's got her newest book, which has a stunning cover, and you can hold it up, Henriette. Her newest book is The Last Days in Placa, and that's coming out in April. So if you're local or if you want to check out Henriette's uh, webpage, if you're somewhere else, she might be in your town doing an event. Um, she is also the co-founder of Galliot Press and runs the Kruna Writing Workshop in Northern Greece. So, and Henriette's always been helpful to me. I had been trying to learn Greek and was um, not very good at it. And so she could was helpful in trying to get me to correct my my Greek. Um, the best thing I did with my Greek, and I don't know if I ever told Henry this, was that I was talking to a waiter in a restaurant once and he said, oh, you speak Greek with a Japanese accent. And I was like, that, I don't even, I don't know where to do that. <laughs> so that's, I speak Greek. And that makes sense to me. Like, I've not heard you, I, I not because I really? can hear it, but it makes sense. I can hear Oh, you can imagine someone that. saying a person speaks Greek with a Japanese accent. Mm. Yes. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Um, Abby is our first question. Um, And Abby sent us something in email. So I'm going to read it to you. Um, And this is a very, very common issue that people face. Uh, She said, I'm attempting to write my first novel. And when I'm finding the hardest, aside from how hard it is to do, LOL, is finding a writing community. I'm a stay-at-home parent and and do have time to write, but I struggle to get feedback. My mother tries, but she's really um, it for me. And that's, yeah, usually having your mother as your only reader is usually, <laughs> isn't gonna always work because your mom loves you no matter what, and that can be problematic. Um, I don't have anyone else in my life that can help me work with, through these things or read chapters and give feedback. In an ideal world, I join classes or accountability groups, but cost is definitely a factor, absolutely. Um, and I have no idea where, how to organically meet other writers nearby or even online that I could connect with. It's really hard to write when you are your only source of ideas, editing, reassurance, et cetera, et cetera. Help, please. All right, Abby, Jessica, have you faced this with your own? I mean, you joined us in the novel incubator and we have our Mm -hmm. own community there, but you've been writing for a long time before that. So how did you deal with it? Yeah, I think before that, I really had relied on an online writing community because I just assumed 
I live in a town. I thought there's no one here, you know, who's doing this necessarily. It's kind of a, you know, commuter town. And um, so I had relied on, on having online friends and had kind of like actually done that kind of thing where you go and meet these people actually in person. You think, oh God, is this going to turn out all right? But you know, it turned out well. And so I had, that was one of my first kind of impulses for Abby is that she mentioned that she had time. And so that would be time to cultivate kind of like some online relationships potentially. Um, Cause I don't know, you know, we don't know the details are her kids small or that, you know, I don't know if she needs to like be in her house a lot of the time or how, where she's located, how remote, but if she has time, there's going to be a way and it, it can be organic to follow other writers on what the platforms that they're on, you know, participate in things. And I think that it doesn't happen automatically. It's relationships that you build and you might sort of end up as in life with a, a group that you're sort of like communicating with and it's fine. And then as you go, find people you really click with like down the line. So I think this will be a process. You know, it won't be tomorrow you have a writing community. But I really think that um, you can build towards that. And I do wonder though, not knowing where you are, but just kind of broadly for everyone looking for such a thing, there might be more in your area than you think. There could be a writing group at your local library. There also may be opportunities if there's a class, you're like, oh, I wish I could take it, but I can't afford it. Do they offer financial aid? Double check. There might be a fellowship. You know, you'd be surprised. People will apply for things and think, oh, I'll never get it. And they might. Like, I actually thought there's no way I can take Novel Incubator without receiving some kind of scholarship. You know, just it wouldn't be financially possible for me. And I thought, what the hell, you know, I'll apply. And I was very fortunate and, and was able to get some funding. So I think consider that kind of stuff, look at, look around you a little bit. And then again, just take to heart the idea that this may not happen instantly, but if you are like putting your heart in it and you, you approach it as something that you're going to put some time into, I think you will find your writing community. Mm. Yeah. And like yeah. there's already a lot of great suggestions in in the chat and I mean, this is the beauty of zoom is that you can find these online groups that you could even start with as you're saying jessica like we don't know where she is but but there's a lot of online stuff what is it that someone told me about the other day shut up and write that has mm. um events all around the world and those i think are in-person events but that's just an example of sort of a platform that is international where you can pick your location and there are meetups where you just go and you shut up and you write or or online things. I think that London Writers Salon that Allison mentioned in the chat, I think that's the one that has uh, sort of Zoom meetup and write in silence things in any time zone. I, I think that's the one. So, but the other thing that comes to mind is that um, it, it may be, I mean, this is gonna sound strange, but maybe there are sources for sort of artistic fellowship, um, you know, if you def define it a little more broadly too, like does, um, it's Abby, right? Um, does yeah. Abby, you know, do you know um, other, do you know any painters or, or musicians or people mm -hmm. working in other media that you might get together with for a coffee? And if your kids are little, like they're running around or whatever, um, to, to just have that sort of fellowship about your writing and create an accountability group with someone who's working in a different medium that can also work. So I wouldn't sort of, and again, I'm making this up, I have no idea if this is anything that's ever ex cross her experience, but um, you know, what's that saying? The, the perfect is the enemy of the good. There are a lot of good solutions that we might think like, no, but I'm a writer and I need X, Y, Z, 
but if you try to sort of cast your net a little more broadly, you might end up getting a good way in. And then from there, you start to meet the people who will be your, your eventually, as you say, Jessica, it's a process. Those people will become your core group. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, in the chat, we've got Allison is named the Irish Writers Center. Um, and, and then, uh, um, also Allison has also named the London Writers Salon. Um, so, and, and I know Allison lives in Switzerland, so she's a little bit more isolated where she is, at least in writing in English. So she's had to reach out. Cam is also listed, um, online writing communities. And if you are watching this, you can also look at the chat, um, and get that link. Um, and then Judith Rogers um, also names um, Jamie Attenberg's A Thousand Words of Summer. Uh, and so there's there are a lot of online things. Uh, Jessica, what group did you, are you willing to name what group you um, joined online? I had uh, friends who were fans of the same television show at the time, big fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so we connected through that. And then all of us were writing and some people were writing genre and some people were writing stuff with a little bit of more literary bent, like a little bit. And so just a whole range of writers that I encountered through that was very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And I remember when I, I first moved to Boston and I'd left a whole other life behind and, and a group of friends and I'd sold a house and I was starting out new in Boston. And that's when I started going to a lot of reading and readings and events in Boston. And I realized I would see a yeah. lot of the same people Mm -hmm. at the events and yeah. it did it did take a little bit for me to kind of you know talk to people and but once you kind of began to talk to people it became easier mm -hmm. um and I was able to get uh a community that way um although, I have people oh go ahead I was just gonna say there is the problem of like in Abby's and there are I think a lot of people in a similar situation yep, to Abby's is. where going to an evening event is very difficult when you have small kids yeah. or any age kids, I suppose, who are still at home and you're running around with them to take them to activities or whatever. Um, yeah. So that, that, there is that challenge of like getting out to the in-person events to socialize. Yeah. So I do think the online resources, I mean, it seems so strange to be opening up to like the whole world, but a lot of these groups already start to shrink it down a little bit. And then there's that, I do think like, there are possibilities for, I think we underestimate the fascination, the helpful fascination that non-writers have with the writing process. And, and obviously Abby said she has her mother as a, as a helper, but a lot of us, I think we have that point in our lives where maybe there's one family member who is the only person we know that we can share our work with, but what we're not realizing is that we actually have a a friend who loves to read, who isn't a writer, but who is fascinated with the writing process, actually wants to hear what we have to say. We're, we're, mm. we're so, we're like, what, what? You wanna hear how I just sat at my desk and wrote five words all day, but people do, um, God bless them. So, you know, you can, you, you may be surrounded by people who are more helpful than you think that they are. Um, yeah. And it's, and I yeah. And I, I love the, all Henriette, all your approaches, like in the sort of flexibility of looking for other types of artists and looking for other types of people who aren't artists. And I was going to say to Abby that I hope that they have community and support in their parenting. And so that it might be that some of those parenting community members would be interested in reading, or you might find you might 
it has happened to me that I've been at some party where I thought, oh God, everyone here is, you know, totally different thing. Instead of some, well, I'm a writer. And the person next to me says, oh, I'm a poet. I'm like, oh, okay. I had no idea, you know? And so find out, you know, just, just test yeah. the waters and see. Yeah. Yeah. You can't know. You can't know. We don't look at it from the outside. So why That's would right. anybody else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We look insane because it's so <laughs> <laughs> And so I, people have asked me for this and I have kind of resisted hoping, hoping that it would happen just on Substack, but Substack doesn't quite have the forum for people to kind of talk to each other. Um, even if they follow a particular page, I mean, there's some of that, but it's, it just doesn't seem as open as like Facebook or Slack. So, so I, um, even though there are some, uh, issues with possibly opening a Facebook page, I did today, um, finally open a Facebook page for, uh, the 7am novelist listeners. Um, so anyone can join, but you have to tell me why you're joining when you click on join. And I know that not everyone's on Facebook either because, well, Zuckerberg Facebook. is problematic. Um, but but I think it's it's kind of the the best place for us to go. So I will put a link to that you know, in the podcast notes, and I will also post a note on Slack that about that Facebook group that you can join that. And if you're looking for writing community through there, um, you can talk to each other there and and get to know each other there. Um, all right. Now this this the second um um I got a note in the chat. Are we on Slack? I have another group on Slack, but I haven't, I thought about making this group on Slack and I decided not to do it. So it would be on, on Substack that I would put the, the note and then the group would be through Facebook. Okay. Um, now the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and it was not a particular question, but was kind of a group of questions that we kept getting and, and they often all had to do with motivation. Um, I can't keep a writing schedule. Um, I procrastinate. Um, I, I can't get myself to do this or that sort of thing. And I think I, I wanted to talk about what are the sorts of things that motivate us and how we can fit our, what motivates us to our particular personalities. Because I do think that the the one type of motivation for everyone just sit down and do it just take it seriously just just vibe off your inspiration whatever set set a schedule for yourself that kind of thing doesn't really work for everyone depending on on who they are um so uh i did a little research into this and there's a writer named gretchen rubens and she has set up uh, a kind of uh, four categories of people in terms of what motivates them and what doesn't. Now, I kind of, she also has a little quiz on her page. And I, of course, am all over personality quizzes. I absolutely love them. And then when I do them, I dispute them like over and over and over again. So I, I only think that this sort of thing is significant, not in the category or the label that they put you in, but in our reaction to it and what it begins to make us think about our process and about what we might need ourselves for motivation. And again, being comfortable knowing that, well, that might motivate that person, but it doesn't motivate me and that's okay. It's okay if you're not motivated by the same thing that motivates other people. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It doesn't mean you're a bad, bad person. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you work differently um, and, and you need to pay attention to that. So these are the four categories that this writer has, Gretchen Grubens. 
Uh, first off, and, and in the chat, if you feel like you're one of these, you can speak up because it's just kind of fun. And again, no one is absolutely one of these. Um, they're just kind of fun categories to talk about. So number one is the obliger. And she says the obliger always meets out outer expectations, but resists inner expectations. So this is the sort of person that is very good on the job. They'll do exactly what you tell them to do. They will follow along. They'll get it done. But if you, um, if when they go home and they're trying to make, say, an exercise routine for themselves, they just cannot get off the couch and they cannot find something consistent for themselves. They haven't been able to find that kind of way to to motivate themselves inwardly they need it to come from outside um then there's number two is the rebel the rebel resists outer expectations and inner expectations so this is the sort of person they think that they're a certain type of person um they don't want to be told what to do and the even bigger problem is they don't want to tell themselves what to do and so they're constantly fighting um with all these voices that are coming from both inside and outside and that can be really problematic uh for getting something done you're constantly resisting you're constantly rebelling and you're you're not quite getting anything done then you have the questioner the questioner resists outer expectations, but meets inner expectations. Now, a questioner, though, um, will oftentimes analyze, analyze, research, research, go through the questions over and over and over again to kind of figure out not only should they do something, but how they should do something. Um, is it, you know, is it worthwhile doing that sort of thing? So that can, that can also really hold them back. And then you have the upholder and the upholder beats, meets both inner expectations and outer expectations. Now I tend to be a little bit of an upholder. If I, if I tell myself that I'm going to go run tomorrow at so-and-so time, and I'm going to go on this many runs and I'm going to, to write, you know, at this time during the day, I'm going to do this. I do it. Um, and I always have, and I don't know, I think that's probably weird, um, but that's just oh, what I do. Upholder over here. <laughs> Upholder, yeah. Well, because you're also an athlete too, Henriette, so that's kind of interesting. I can sometimes be a little bit of a questioner and rebel when it comes to outer expectations, but once I'm convinced that it's just or good or it's the way to go, then I absolutely do it. And if I if I tell someone that I'm, I'm going to do something, then I, then I do it. Um, now, Henriette, so again, you, you are an athlete, you talk about motivation in terms of athleticism a lot. I mean, does any of this make sense? Do you raise your hand with upholder? Oh, yeah. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, it's funny, because as I read the, the Gretchen Rubin piece, and I, of course, did the quiz, and, and uh, was an upholder, and that didn't surprise me. Um, but then as you were doing the, as you were reading the descriptions just now, I was thinking about how each of those personalities, we know those personalities from writing groups, from classes. There, there's an application for for those people specifically in writing groups. Um, you know, and no, no, no one is better than another. Although we're talking about how those those types can get in the way of the person who inhabits that type. But um, where am I going with this? Uh, yeah, that just that I I f no wait, ask me a question because I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Jessica. I think I don't know what I was saying. Jessica, Jessica, did you identify with any of these or do you think it's all 
I'm just going to so, say bullshit. <laughs> so, you know, I took the quiz and I immediately, I get very suspicious of these quizzes and I see like yes. the questions. I think, I know where you're going with this. If I choose this, you're going to label me this way. And so then I took it again and I got a slightly different result. So one time I took it and I got um, the obliger and then I took it and I got the questioner and I thought, wait, you know, and I was trying to figure out these different things and I was realizing how much I can be these different types in different situations. So you take right. me to an airport and I am an upholder. I am like, you are not supposed to be up yet. You're, they've not called your row number. You know? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it, it brings, I always call it the supposed to. You're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. So it, it brings that out in me. But um, a lot of times when say my husband will say, and I'll say to him, oh, I'm planning to write today. And then we'll run into each other like in our paths in the morning. He'll say, oh, so you're, you're going off to write now. And one time I said to him you'd like that one you <laughs> because it's like the rebel thing where I was like now I'm not going to and it's like what what is that you know but it's it's a kind of younger child thing that can come out of me sometimes yes so I see all the the types coming out and I think it can be good to sort of pause and say what type is dominant right now and how can I maybe maybe meet that is maybe that's a way to look at it because at first I was like yeah. oh pshaw, whatever so I think don't get married to being one type sort of recognize like maybe what in your behavior is coming out at that moment that you can then work with uh because I will say like when I you know Henriette like knows so much more about athletic motivation but I walk every morning for about an hour and I was telling a friend and she said well don't you some morning think you don't want to do that and I was like oh yeah like every morning I think I don't want to do that and then I say to myself too bad and she was like oh my god you said that in such a kind of like you know, so there's a way that I'm being like the rebel and the upholder at that moment. So I'm kind of trying to meet myself. I'm just like, you know what? I'm throwing myself out the door and I'm going yeah. anyway. So, well, and there's a it's way in which someone asked this in the, in the chat about our upholders maybe too inflexible and, or struggle to be flexible. And I think that's the danger. And I know mm. that's my type is if I, I will say, this is what I'm doing. I'm getting, I establish a routine. I love routines. I, but I'm always saying to people like, don't feel like when you sign up for a routine for yourself that now you're stuck with it. Routines change. Yeah. Um, you're not going to have this. You might have the same routine your entire writing life, or you might change it week to week based on how you're feeling. But that's that's the thing that I sometimes struggle with. There was a day, you know, last week when I was supposed to do a million things, including the thing that I always do. And I was like, what if I just didn't do it? And it was, just, it had to come like a lightning bolt of inspiration. Whereas for a different personality type, it would be just like, you know, you can just not do it. Mm. And that would have been an easier point to arrive at. But, yeah. um, I, I, yeah, um, I think it, it, this is a really interesting exercise to sort of figure out how you perform right as a human being but as a as a creator as a writer that's the thing is like we have to coach ourselves to use the sports analogy because we don't have generally someone coaching us while we're at our desk or on our walk or talking into a voice memo so we have to be the ones to assess ourselves and then work with the tendencies that we have do you have it's like do you have slow twitch muscle fibers or fast twitch muscle fibers if you know which one oh, you wow. have more of you're going to train differently so it's that same thing but but knowing that it will change i think this is a really interesting 
That's cool. I think those four types are very interesting. And yeah. Because I, yeah, I myself, unfortunately, have slow twitch muscles and, okay. and short legs. So I don't know I, what they are. Even though I try we, to. We yeah, are you know, a pair, <laughs> Michelle. Let's go through. So one person in the chat says, I, you know, I need a regular uh, structure and schedule. I don't question it or argue with myself. I just do it. It helps me when I get up early and work before dawn. I cannot allow myself to get distracted by anything else. I do it every day. It works and I get writing done. So I've surrendered to this discipline. That I think is an upholder. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. And so, and I, I'm kind of that way too. Um, I get very set in a schedule, very set in a structure. I think one issue <clears throat> with upholders can be when they get knocked out of their schedule. Yes. Um, that you can get actually really pissed off mm. by the thing that, and even though it's like your husband has brought home some brownies for the evening. You're like, damn it, I'm writing, you know, whatever, like, or, or, or bigger, bigger things, your kids or life in general, you get knocked off a schedule. So what I would recommend for other upholders is, you know, I think we set these kind of rules for ourselves. This is the sort of writer I am. This is what I need in order to write, but that can also create an excuse because it means that if yeah. the world around you does not conform in that way, or if you're not able to make it conform in that way, you can use it as an excuse. Well, I couldn't get any writing done today because so-and-so was next to me in the cafe chatting, chatting away, or su yeah. such and such was happening or that. So you do want to be very careful about being a little bit too rigid in that way, because it could act as an excuse for you not getting things done. I always think about, you know, um, uh, uh, Robert um, Olin Butler, he um, talks about writing all of his books on trains um, into mm. New York. So he would have like a, I don't know, two or three hour train ride yeah. every morning to New York. And he would, mm. he would um, write his books, he would draft his books. And I think he's pretty proud of that. And he might kind of thumb his nose at other people for doing that. But at the same time, it's pretty amazing that he was able to do that. And he wasn't accepting the kind of chaos in the train or the noise in the train um, to, to stop him from doing that. He knew what he needed to do. So I just wanted to say, I think for me, like the main thing is that the main thing that I find helpful is that remind, we have to remind ourselves of our own insignificance. But fundamentally, with very few and important exceptions, when you're sitting down to write, the stakes are very low. I tell myself, like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And I mean, that's not like being pathetic or self-pitying. It is a true thing. No one cares if I write today or not. And that takes the burden off of that whole upholder thing you were talking about. Like, if the, if the atmosphere isn't right, so what? I am not precious. My writing is not precious. I do not need everything to be calibrated to the last molecule because the stakes are low. And it's very freeing if you think about that, that, that you can then you can you can dive into it every day, even if you don't feel good or or you can not dive into it, depending on your personality type and what ritual you set for yourself. But and also you can vary the ritual because the stakes are so low. It doesn't matter. No one's going to be like, oh, my God, she changed her ritual. <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, it's very freeing. Yeah. I think 
also just to speak to some of the other like types that come up if people yeah. identify as the other types that sort of it might be fun to think about this because I always think you know too when people say oh I'm like a plotter or a pantser that that feels too rigid too and you can get too married to that identity and be too proud of it in a way that you don't see the opportunities for flexibility and other ways to make moves. So I think it can be good. Maybe consider it a little bit about your characters. Are they upholders? Are they what? And you need all the different types. And so think about that, how you kind of force those characters into positions that challenge them or that in which they shine and kind of think about giving yourself, if you have a tendency towards something, you're like, maybe this would challenge me and I should try it and see how I write in that circumstance. Maybe it'll be more flexible. Maybe I'll come up with something new. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we also have some people in the chat that are talking about their being um, obligers. So again, an obliger is someone that meets outer expectations, but resists inner expectations. So and I, I know some students like this, too, and they seem to be very judgmental about themselves and seem to really wonder, you know, why can't I why can't I do this like my friend Bob the upholder. You know, why why am I not, why can I not get it together? Um, and it and it's not about, you know, obligers are necessary in our society. I actually think most people are probably more obligers than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um so what I would recommend if you if you feel at all that you're an obliger, um, it probably does mean that again those outer expectations lay heavy on you. Mm -hmm. So instead of wondering why you're not like someone else and feeling bad about it or whatever is going on, I would just you know think okay if outer expectations is what works for me, how do I set outer expectations? So again, there are this might be taking a writing class um, that has deadlines. Uh, this might be joining an accountability group that has deadlines. It might be joining um, a writing group that will set deadlines for you. Um, it also depends on what motivates you. It does Is it money? Is it time? Is it something else that motivates you this, the most? Um, if it's if it's money, if, if you're, I tend to be a cheap state sometimes. So if I spend $25 for something, then I'm definitely going to do it. <laughs> or if I'm going to lose $25, then I'm going to do it. Um, that's not, you know, because it, it, that's just, it's, that's money for me. Um, so think carefully and it does, but it doesn't always have to be about money. Um, finding an accountability partner, someone that's going to be on you and is you to agree with each other that this is what you're going to do for each other. And I think, you know, they talk a lot about motivations and, and habits and, and goals and using accountability partners a lot and how they how well they work for people. Um, so I would just really because you're um, and obliger, and because those outer expectations are so important to you, then think about that for your own writing. How do you set up a system of outer expectations in order to motivate you to sit down and write? And give you these deadlines. Yeah. I have a question about that, though, because when you're talking about outer expectations, it sounds like you're talking about non-writing outer expectations. And I think the there's the obliger, and maybe you aren't, but the, the obliger, I mean, I, I don't know, I've seen like... Sometimes you have a student who, um, w with feedback, uh, obliges the feedback of the writing group and then comes back the next time mm. with a change in the manuscript or a change in approach. And, and that's not what they wanted. And then the, the feed, they get more feedback and then they oblige that feedback. And so they're always kind of will-o'-the-wisps. 
and and you want you see those people and you say but what do you want what yeah. do you want this book to be and they're they have a hard time articulating that because they're they're that kind of obliger and i i don't have an answer for that but i think that's like what do you do with that particular kind of obliging where the writing mm -hmm. group can be establishing outer expectations that are then not serving the writer's inner expectation or having yeah. or causing, yeah. causing difficulty for the writer to understand their inner motivation. Yeah. Um, that might require, I think, just a, a single accountability partner or just one other person that they know that they can trust and that they that won't kind of push them around like that and, and won't allow them to because obligers will they'll do like little smaller things so it looks like they're they're actually working and it makes them feel like they are actually doing something mm -hmm. um but when it all comes down to it they they actually aren't getting the writing done um like sailboats so, that are tacking and not going straight ahead to a well obviously a sailboat can't but you know yeah so finding something i think that's the only thing i can think of finding someone that they really trust that will keep them on that straight and narrow but um and not feeling bad and 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 not feeling maybe bad that they need that and maybe they only need that to begin with and then they can move forward after that yeah and maybe maybe knowing that about yourself if you're an obliger in that way and working harder to establish your inner goal for what that manuscript is or what you yeah. really want it to be so that then when you get the feedback you're not going to be you know like a magpie whoa shiny and go off yeah. in a different direction yeah and i think that's where sometimes the little the rebel side of people can come out and be very helpful that when people are like everyone wants you to do this everyone wants you to do this you're getting that feedback and you think I don't want to. And that kind of resistance and say, well, what's going on with that resistance? Is there another path you want to do? And you sort of think like, sometimes when everyone recommends X, you think, well, I better do X. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you might perhaps say, well, I'm going to change the structure so that no one will say, oh, you better do X because now that's no longer a possibility in the story. So, I mean, there's ways that you can work with that. Right. Yeah. And I do. And I think, yeah, that, that inner rebel, because I think even the Bliger, when someone tells them to do something, paying attention to your gut instincts. Um, does it make you feel queasy? <laughs> does, it, does it feel wrong in some way? Or does it energize you? Does it open you? Does it free yeah. And that's usually the, the sort of uh, feedback you want to look for. The rebel, the, again, the one that resists outer expectations and inner expectations, mm -hmm. they can be caught in a cycle of rebelling against absolutely everything. And so I do think like what you were talking yeah. about, Jessica, is what, what is the, my point of rebelling? What do I want out of this? What yeah. do I want to be? What is my vision? What is my goal? So making sure that the rebel really sets that in line and has that down so that they don't actually, and, and constantly, constantly reminding themselves of that, putting that on their computer even, what their goal is, what their vision, it could be for a particular project or it could Ooh. be for something longer. Yeah. Um, I think they are really going to need that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and so Jessica, you also said you're a bit of a questioner. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I think I'm that kind of person who sometimes if I'm, you know, looking at possibilities, I'll have so many tabs open that I'm like, oh God, and then I need to close them all, like information overload or, you know, whatever, uh, analysis paralysis, I think people like to call it. <laughs> so I think that can happen when you're sort of like, 
you know, I'll, yeah, that can sort of like say a lot of people are like, oh, maybe you should just go research. This would be a good point in your novel to research. And then sometimes that can be overwhelming because I'll get so far down into that rabbit hole. So I think it can be just a helpful thing to know when you have that tendency to sort of say, oh, you know what? I'm going to kind of cut myself off at the pass here, or I'm going to just pick, there's 18 options. I'm going to just pick one and go forward with it because otherwise this scene's never going to get written. And then later I'll be like, oh, this scene doesn't work. And I can go back and look at the other 17 if I need to. Yeah. So I think sometimes just sort of saying, when are you standing in your own way? And when are you serving what it is you want to do? And so sort of being able to stop and, and take stock when you can. And maybe that's what your accountability partner does is not just say, hey, keep writing, but say like, I wonder if you're getting a little overwhelmed by everyone's feedback or like, how do you feel, you know, about this? Like, I think just someone to help you kind of take stock of where you're at could be a really great partner. Yeah. And I think questioners as well, and I've, I think I've heard uh, from several of them during this month, particularly those that are doing research, um, they will research and yeah. research and research and research, and they keep falling into that rabbit hole because they're like, well, what if I don't know this? What if I don't know this? Oh, I have to look this up. I have to look this up. So not only, you know, the, the, the project itself is raising questions in them and they don't feel that they have enough to begin. They haven't asked an, enough questions to begin. And so that's gonna be a problem with the questioner. You really have to, you probably have to set a deadline um, for yourself, this is how long I'm going to let myself research, but by this point, I need to be writing. That could be an everyday deadline, um, or it could be a deadline by week or month or whatever, but something that 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 blocks that constant questioning hamster wheel that a questioner will get into um, to help you that, out that way. All right, everyone, I hope... <laughs> Um, that you're able to, to just, just find like some mix here that can help you and the types of motivation you need and ignore what works for other people around you because that really might really not be working for you. And that's okay. Um, Cause that's just the sort of person um, that you are. Um, so uh, you can find everything we're up to on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can subscribe there for updates, and you can also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page, including episodes from our past two writing challenges, as well as on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. I will be posting that Facebook page um, for you to join uh, in the podcast notes, as well as on the Substack page. I'll post it within the um, episode notes, and I'll also post it as a note on the Substack page. So if you are looking for writing partners, if you're looking for anyone to talk about writing with, if you just want to join the community, please do so. Um, you do have to answer a, a simple question in order to join the group. Uh, and not everyone can just read the group uh, messages and comment on it. So you do need to be a part of the group. And that way we can just keep it a little bit safer um, and more attuned to what we want it to be about. So um, just get any final words about breaking through your writing obstacles. Oh, I was thinking so much we've talked about flexibility and Henriette has brought up all these great points. If, if you veer towards one way, can you like try different ways. And I think like, when are you most flexible during your day? And think about that way you might not get too stuck in like what type of person you are or where you were stuck in your work and sort of say like, where am I in my work right now? Like where, where's my character in the story right now? And just pause and think about that. And maybe that's something that will help you take a step forward. Nice, nice. Henriette, what do you think? 
Um, I think it's all about creating a positive feedback loop for yourself as a writer. So that's another thing like if you can manage your writing day so that it gives you a feeling of like, yes, I did this, um, which every day is, is going to provide, provide certain challenges, but you can find the thing that you can be proud of so that it sets you up to feel good about the next one. That's actually going to help a lot with your motivation because who doesn't want to go back to something that they're really good at? So you can, you have to yes, manage you yourself to keep telling nice. yourself, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. Love I'm it. good at this. You know, I will get that from, because I, I usually reach a point at the end of my writing day that my brain is so depleted and I, I kind of become nonverbal and, mm. and I, have to, I have to warn people about this, but that also is that I know that I've done work. Mm -hmm. um, so for mm -hmm. me, there's a satisfaction of, it's very similar to after having run the long race and I, and I can't walk anymore. Um, right. there's satisfaction in knowing that I've gotten some work done and that I can do it the next day and the next day. Excellent. Well, thank you both you so much for your help. You I think this was really, interesting, really wonderful. And I hope everyone is able to find some motivation today that works for who they are, um, as a writer and as a personality, and you're able to get some wonderful writing done today. Everybody.